It's nearly 12 o'clock and time for the KMXT Midday Report. Thank you for listening to KMXT. On 100.1 FM, it is your public radio station, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Kodiak, Alaska, where we have mostly cloudy skies. It is 44 degrees outside. Out at the airport, they are recording 71% humidity, northerly winds at 9 miles per hour gusting to 20, and 10 miles of visibility. Look for rain today, rain tonight, rain tomorrow, and rain likely for Wednesday night and Thursday. That rain is expected to begin about 3 p.m. today. Northeast winds to 20, gusting to 25 today. For tonight, northeast 20, gusting to 25. And tomorrow, east winds 20, gusting to 30. Coming up on the Midday Report... Some Wrangell residents are using their lunch times to learn Blinkit. We look at the record high gas prices. And two Democratic Alaska lawmakers are wary about a merger. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The Pentagon is investigating reports from Polish media that Russian missiles crossed out of the war zone in Ukraine and landed in neighboring Poland, a member of NATO. Allies are still trying to determine if they were straight missiles. NPR's Tom Bowman says it's still too early to invoke NATO's Article 5. No one's determined if Russia fired the missiles intentionally or at all. It's a very loose language about what means support. It doesn't necessarily mean military support. It just means come to their aid. And the language says, will assist the party or party so attacked by taking such action as it deems necessary, quote, including the use of armed force. So it's important to note again that this doesn't necessarily mean if the Russians fired into Poland, that NATO members would necessarily take military action. NPR's Tom Bowman reporting. Republicans have nominated Kevin McCarthy to become House Speaker if their party controls the chamber in the next Congress. But, as NPR's Lexi Chappell explains, McCarthy faced resistance from some conservative members. Kevin McCarthy won his party's nomination, but faced a challenge from Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Biggs is a member of the conservative House Freedom Caucus and argued it was time for a change to the status quo. To win the speakership, McCarthy will need to secure 218 votes on the floor when the new Congress convenes in January. Republicans are expected to hold a narrow majority in the House once all midterm results are final. That means McCarthy can't afford to lose more than a handful of votes within his own party. It also signals that if he wins, he could face challenges keeping the conference united. Lexi Chapitel, NPR News, the Capitol. Former President Donald Trump is expected to make a major announcement tonight, widely expected to formally announce a 2024 run for the White House, an announcement coming from his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. Wall Street's top cop says that in the last fiscal year, the Securities and Exchange Commission levied the highest amount of civil penalties on record. 
NPR's David Gura has more. In fiscal year 2022, penalties added up to almost $4.2 billion, according to a new report from the SEC. The amount of money the commission paid to whistleblowers was also up. Under Chair Gary Gensler, the SEC has sought more admissions of wrongdoing. More than 15 financial services firms acknowledged employees violated record-keeping rules. They didn't properly preserve work-related text messages they had on their personal smartphones. And the SEC imposed the largest penalty against an audit firm in its history when it fined Ernst & Young $100 million after employees cheated on CPA exams. In recent months, the SEC has used its enforcement authority to go after more bad actors in crypto. David Gura, NPR News, New York. This is NPR. NPR News is brought to you in part by Providence Kodiak Island Counseling Center. For an appointment or more information, 481-2400. For KMXT, I'm Terry Haynes. Some people use their lunchtime hour for eating. Others squeeze in a workout or a quick nap. And some Wrangell residents are using their lunchtimes to learn the critically endangered Tlingit language. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. A good Tlingit speaker will spray some spit, says Juan Lane, Virginia Oliver. Kataya, this Kataya. is me. Kataya. And then my name, Tlingit. And in the Tlingit language, what I'm saying to you is, Kataya. And you see the high tones. Kataya, your name. It's me, Juan Plain. That's my name. Oliver stands in front of a tall whiteboard propped between windows at the Tribal Cultural Center on Wrangell's Front Street. Adults of all ages are scattered across two long rows of folding tables facing the board. Across the back of the room, behind the students, a weathered totem pole stretches the length of the building, awaiting restoration. This lunchtime class is the first of a 37-week course put on by Wrangell's tribal government. The Wrangell Cooperative Association's $82,000 federal grant will pay for almost a year of Flinka instruction and study materials, lunch for students, and travel for elders like Juno-based Kakhlaat, Florence Marks Sheikli, to come visit and share language, lead sewing classes, and play Flinket bingo. The focus of the first class is introductions. You guys got the first part of that. You have to a sock. And then you're either a boach, which is a wolf, or you're a gate, which is what? Raven. And so na is the moiety. The is personalizing it to you. Na and then chat is me. City, and that means it, it's just so. City. Over the next weeks, she says students will learn the whole Tlingit alphabet. The most important thing about Tlingit is learning the alphabet. Your teacher will tell you, tell them the vowels, tell them the alphabet. Oliver says it's been almost a decade since the community held adult Tlingit classes. The last time was a cultural history revitalization project when students recorded Tlingit Phrase of the Week clips which air on local radio station KSTK throughout the year. The result was this project to help with the survival and renewal of the Tlingit language in Wrangell surrounding our seasons and our way of life. 
This is Wrangell's Slingit Phrase of the Week. Wrangell Public School students have opportunities to study Klingit, but Tribal Administrator Ahtseen Esther Reese says there wasn't a public class in town for adults until now. Reese says before the pandemic, Oliver taught classes for the tribe. And people were coming and saying, well, can we join? Can we participate? And so we put this grant together um, so to enable the adults in our community to come together, learn the Klingit language, learn a little bit more about the culture. Wrangell Kachchanak sits at the mouth of the Stikine River, which is the anglicized version of Stachin, Stach meaning bitter, and Hin meaning river. Words also aren't just words, Oliver explains. Klingit is a very relational language. The word for salt is also the word for ocean, and so on. The language carries the culture and history. Without the language, the culture dies. Oliver gestures to an illustrated poster resting on the totem pole at the back of the room. She explains some Klingit clans are all but extinct. Yeah, so there's some of the clans that are gone. Not from memory, I always put them on there. I've had people say, they're not even here anymore, why would you put them on there? Because to me, they were here. Tlingit language revitalization and recognition projects are underway all over Wrangell Island. In addition to the funding for adult Tlingit classes, Wrangell Public School students have the opportunity to learn the language, and one Wrangell High School student has been producing a Tlingit language and culture podcast. Wrangell's tribe has also received money to replace the town's road signs with dual language markers. One of the grocery stores also recently debuted Tlingit signs for departments throughout the store. And because of the lunchtime language class, there should be a growing group of Wrangell residents who can read, understand, and translate the phrases scattered throughout town. The language persists. In Wrangell, Kachchanak, Tleitkach, Einach, Sage Smiley, Yuchatduasak. Across the country, Americans have seen record high gas prices this year, but the spikes haven't been distributed evenly. Many southern states are currently paying around $3 a gallon at the pump, but a few western states, including Alaska, are averaging nearly 5 bucks a gallon. Anchorage Daily News reporter Alex DeMarban explained to Alaska Public Media's Michael Finelli why prices here are high, even though the state supplies so much crude oil used to make gasoline. We are traditionally uh, one of the most expensive states uh, in the U.S. for gasoline, and part of that is just because of our remoteness and our small uh, volumes, small demand for gas, um, so the things that also make other prices high here in Alaska for milk and everything else uh, contribute to that. Um, but in uh, more recently, we've had, uh, there's multiple refineries in Washington and California that were having planned or unplanned um, shutdowns. And the oil refineries that make the gas, therefore, have had a tight supply of gas. And so that has meant that uh, prices on the West Coast, not just for Alaska, but for several states, including California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, um, have really been quite a bit higher than the rest of the U.S. Um, and in Alaska's case, we're about a dollar higher than the average right now. Does the fact that we produce a substantial amount of crude oil in state help at all with those prices? Or uh, I'm not sure of the mysteries of what goes on behind the scenes. 
but because we start out, you know, at, even though it's our own oil, it starts out at the same price as the world market, um, and much of that is refined right here. Um, we're essentially going off the same system uh, at that point as the rest of the world. Right. right. Most of the gas is uh, made at the Marathon Petroleum Refinery in Nikiski. I mean, nearly all of it that's consumed in Alaska is made there on the, on the road system. Yeah. One refiner also uh, limits competition, yeah. and that's another key factor that we face uh, compared to other states uh, where there would be multiple refineries in the region. So the majority of Alaskan gas at the pump comes from the one refinery in Alaska? We, we are refining most of our own gas? Yeah, most of what we're driving on, um, especially on the road belt, maybe all of it or almost all of it, as I understand it, is coming from our Alaskan oil, and it's being refined down in Nikiski. Um, some of the oil from Cook Inlet, and then I presume that some of the North Slope oil at times could be used to supplement. And then I also understand that oil is also shipped up at times for use for gasoline, but it's primarily Alaskan oil. So, so even though we refine most of our own gas here in Alaska, our pricing is still tied to that in other states? Yeah, well, we start with the price of oil, which starts out at the same as their price. Um, and then there's no price gouging law. Um, there's one refinery, one refiner. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's the gas price is still based on the nearest uh, market, which is Seattle, or it's connected to that in a sense. And uh, we get uh, the same gas price roughly um, as they do in Seattle and Marathon has the ability to kind of set refining prices, I think, uh, at the very start of this chain. Do you expect Biden's release of more oil from the Strategic Reserve to bring down prices at all? Uh, I think it'll help stabilize prices. I think it did lead uh, to uh, a little bit of a drop, uh, at least in the futures market. And so I expect that it will help stabilize prices. Um, I would think that we're going to be at this price. I guess if that's my prediction, that we'll be at this price uh, within a small amount either way for a little bit of time, unless there's some kind of, you know, other crazy event that happens. Um, who knows what's next? But yeah, I think things like that do help. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the help is somewhat limited. That was... Alex DeMarban, a reporter for the Anchorage Daily News, talking to Alaska Public Media's Michael Finelli. Two Democratic lawmakers are urging the Federal Trade Commission to block a proposed merger between grocery giants Kroger and Albertsons. Representative Ivy Sponholes and Zach Fields co-chair the Alaska House Committee on Labor and Commerce. Late last month, they sent a letter to FTC Chair Lena Kahn requesting the intervention. In Anchorage, the two primary grocery store chains are Cars and Fred Meyer, which are owned by Albertsons and Kroger, respectively. Fields says those stores are also the main competitors in Alaska's next four biggest cities. And these stores are today the major competitors in Kenai, Kenai Soldatna, in, in Wasilla, uh, Wasilla and Palmer, and Fairbanks in Juneau and in Anchorage, so in the five largest population centers of the state. The parent companies announced their intent to merge back on October 14th. 
stating the buyout would lead to an enhanced customer experience, increased wages, and lower prices. But Fields does not buy that argument. Alaskans already pay some of the highest grocery prices in the country, and Fields worries the merger would send prices significantly higher. He says mergers like these generally result in price spikes. That would be the first time in human history that reduced competition has lowered prices. I don't think that this company is going to suspend the laws of economics and common sense. To the contrary, they would be closing school, closing stores, reducing consumer choice, and of course, because there's no longer meaningful competition, raising prices. Cars and Fred Meyer are two of Alaska's leading employers, and Fields says a merger would also hurt their thousands of workers by taking away bargaining power, leading to lower wages and benefits. He hasn't heard back from the FTC yet, but Fields says he has confidence in Chair Lena Khan, who has been skeptical of corporate consolidation and its impacts on consumers. Kroger and Albertsons did not respond to requests for comments for this story. Kodiak's Safeway is a part of the Albertsons chain. The Fairbanks North Star, the Fairbanks North Pole area's first air quality alert of the season is now in effect. That means state monitors predict the air near the city will be polluted enough to pose a health risk and residents should not use their wood stoves. KUAC's Robin reports. Surrounded by hills on three sides, the Fairbanks North Pole area is susceptible to wintertime temperature inversions that trap emissions from combustion like wood smoke and vehicle exhaust near the ground. The folks at the state of Alaska, the meteorologists, they have run some PM2.5 forecasting models and that they're predicting the air quality to be unhealthy. That's Nick Zarnecki, a program manager for the state's Division of Air Quality. He watches for pollution around the state, including the Fairbanks and North Pole area. Local emissions from wood stoves, oil-fired heaters, industrial sources, and vehicles all contribute to particulate pollution. The state has a scale of health risk for the amount of pollution in the air. It starts with good, then moderate, then unhealthy for sensitive groups, unhealthy for everyone, then very unhealthy, then hazardous. The air quality alert that started last night at 10 p.m. goes until 2 o'clock today, but conditions are likely to stay moderate or worse all week as high pressure dominates the area near Fairbanks, especially for North Pole where they predict PM2.5 values greater than 20 micrograms per cubic meter of air. That doesn't sound like much, but it could drop North Pole into the unhealthy for sensitive groups category. What a stage one alert means is that it's going to reach that first moderate to unhealthy level of air quality. And the current stage one alert requires residents to stop burning coal, wood, or pellets. Zarnecki says in a stage one alert, there are some folks who can still burn if they have a special waiver that shows they have an EPA compliant wood stove or what's called a clean appliance. A stage one waiver, you just need to have a clean appliance and you don't have to have a justification or a reason to apply for that waiver. If the pollution gets worse, the state will call a stage two alert. 
that no one can burn except the rare household that has no other way to heat the home. During a stage two alert, which is when we forecast the air to be the dirtiest, the people with the no ash uh, can still burn their appliance. The no ash, the no other adequate source of heat means that you can burn at any time. And so in order to do that, folks have to justify that they have a clean appliance and that they don't have any other source of heat for the house. Residents can apply for waivers on the state's Division of Air Quality website. We'll have a link posted with this story at fm.kuac.org. In Fairbanks, I'm Robin. Insight Daily Radio. Iconic character actor Tom Wopat reprises his role as Sheriff Alden Rockwell in the long-awaited sequel to the action movie County Line, with County Line all in. When a not-so-popular lawyer is killed literally on the county line, Maxville County Sheriff Alden Rockwell must reluctantly work with the newly elected sheriff, Joe Porter, of the neighboring York County. Her big city methods clash with his old-school ways, but when the murderer continues to strike, they must learn to set aside their differences and work together in order to stop the killer. We spoke with Tom about this exciting new film and his character's new partner played by Denim Richards from the hit show Yellowstone. It's kind of like, like breaking in a new sheriff in the other county. It's a, it's a process. And he's not a partner, he's my deputy. There's a difference. So, um, again, it's a process. It's something that it, it takes time to, to develop a relationship. And, and also, f for me to prove that I'm, I'm worthy of his admiration and his, his following my advice. Uh, he, he, comes, he comes into his own uh, very quickly in, these, in the show. And so we do develop a, a friendship as well as a, as a good professional relationship. That's Tom Wopat on his role as Sheriff Alden Rockwell in County Line All In. County Line All In premieres on INSP Saturday, November 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern. To find out where to watch in your area, go to CountyLineAllIn.com. Insight Daily Radio. The Alaska Aerospace Corporation will be conducting rocket launch operations at Narrow Cape November 14th through November 21st. Road closures could be in place between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. To ensure public safety during the operations, there will be restrictions at milepost 10 of the Pasagshack Road until hazardous operations have concluded for the day. Refer to the Pacific Spaceport Complex Alaska hotline at 833-772-2321 for updates. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Good afternoon and welcome to your Island Messenger for Tuesday. It is the 15th day of November, the year 2022. The sun rose today at 8.55. It will set again at 4.52, giving us 7 hours and 56 minutes of glorious daylight, a loss of 4 minutes and 7 seconds compared to yesterday. Our record high temperature for this date was 59 degrees set in 2013. Our record low is 9 degrees set in 1977. 
Currently 44 degrees here in Kodiak under mostly cloudy skies. Out at the airport, they are seeing northerly winds to 9, gusting to 20. They have 10 miles of visibility. The Weather Service is calling for rain to start up seriously about 3 o'clock this afternoon and to continue at least through Thursday. High near 43 today, which we have already blown right by. Northeast winds to 20, gusting to 25 for today and tonight. For tomorrow, those winds are going to turn to the east and gust as high as 30. Looking at our local tides, we just had a low tide at 11.46 here on the east side. That was a 4.6 foot tide. Our next high tide will be at 5.43 this afternoon, a 7.2 foot tide. And our low tide after that will be about 1 in the morning, 12.56 a.m., a 1.7 foot tide. Over on the west side, your low tide just happened about one minute ago in Larson Bay. That was a 7-foot tide. Your next high tide will happen at 6.11 p.m. and be 10.7 feet, followed by a low tide at 1.19 a.m. of 2.8 feet. Mariners, here is your forecast for Marmot Island to Sitkanak, Kodiak's east side offshore. Gale warning through tonight. Northeast 40, except northeast 30, north of Dangerous Cape, seas to 13 feet. Northeast 35 for tonight, seas to 12 feet. And for tomorrow, east 30, seas to 13 feet. Over in the Shelikoff Strait, gale warning through tomorrow. Northeast 40 today, seas building to 14 feet this afternoon. Northeast 35 tomorrow and seas to 12 feet. For Wednesday night, northeast 35, seas to 12 feet as well. The Alaska Commission on Aging will be holding a listening session for Kodiak seniors. That's people, oh wait, that began at 10 this morning. I'm not certain that it's still going on. The Kodiak Hospital Auxiliary is having a general meeting on Saturday, November 19th at 10 a.m. That's happening in the barometer room at Providence Kodiak Island Hospital. Everyone is welcome to attend. The short business meeting will be followed by the decorating of the angel trees. Please plan to attend and help decorate the angel trees throughout the hospital, and you can also support the raffle. Raffle tickets will be available for members to pick up at that time. This is the last General KHA meeting until January, and again, that's Saturday, 10 a.m. in the barometer room of the hospital. Coming up this next weekend, two galley tables events. The first will be on Friday, Scuttlebutt and a galley table is meant for youth. Show your support and have a great time listening to our young storytellers spin a yarn and entertain the crowd. It's absolutely free. Starts at 7 p.m. on Saturday and will be at the Gerald C. Wilson Auditorium's Drama Pod. The next day on Saturday, November 19th, galley tables will be doing another event. In fact, they're looking for, for a few storytellers still. That's happening on 19th the Saturday. The theme is home again, and the storytellers have seven minutes to tell their story. If you have a story to tell, email galleytables at gmail.com or sign up at galleytables.com. Here's a note for elementary school families. Please mark your calendars for November 22nd. It will be an early release day for all Kodiak Island Borough School District elementary schools. Grades kindergarten through five will be dismissed at 1.50 p.m., to make way for scheduled family teacher conferences. 
Please call your school office if you have any questions. And on Saturday, December 3rd, the big Chiniac Christmas Market is coming up. That's happening at the Chiniac Library on December 3rd. To get there, take a ride on King Crab Way at mile 41 and a quarter. The road curves to the right, and the library is located on the left-hand side of the road. They will be featuring arts, crafts, pottery, salves, preserves, baked goods, and more, all handmade in Kodiak. University of Alaska Fairbanks Cooperative Extension agent Sarah Lewis and her Anchorage program manager Gina Dion are offering a series of Tuesday evening online classes on preparing and preserving foods for the holidays. Participants will join Lewis on Zoom in her home kitchen in Juneau and Dion in hers in Anchorage on Tuesdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Videos of the class will also be available. Coming up tonight, canning fruits and berries. Learn to preserve fruit and berries in jars using the boiling water bath method of canning. Classes are $12 and require separate registration. Participants may register for one or all classes. The deadline for registering is 5 p.m. today for that class. Register online, um, contacting Sarah Lewis at sarah.lewis at alaska.edu. That's Sarah with an A-H and Lewis, L-E-W-I-S, at alaska.edu. Or you can call her at 907-523-3280, extension 1. And going on all month, Stemapalooza with the Girl Scouts of America. Celebrate science, technology, engineering, and math with Stemapalooza all November. All girls in grades K through 12 are invited to explore this month-long event. Visit Girl Scouts of Alaska's website to find out details about live virtual programs, at-home activities, competing with your family in STEM trivia, earning a telescope, becoming a citizen scientist, and learning what it takes to put your STEM dreams into action. Try at least one activity and you will earn a Stemapalooza patch or dive in and try them all. But again, all you have to do is visit the Girl Scouts of Alaska's website. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., during the midday report at 1220, and in the evening at 7 o'clock. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org. 